So I'm joined with, with Jake Yaxley, um, who is a product owner at Remo First. Um, this is our first um, podcast series on, on sort of the rising stars um, within products. So Jake, pleasure. Thank you so much for, for coming on today. Um, really, really appreciate it. No, not at all. Thank you for having me. It's very kind of you to reach out. A, a rising star is, is very flattering, but <laughs> glad it's being attributed to me. <laughs> no, you're more than welcome. It's, uh, it's it's great to have you on. So, talk to me on, on on where you are at the moment, and and you know who you are in in, in general. Go for it. Yeah. So, as you said, my name is Jake. I am a product owner at Remo First, which is an employee of Record Company. And for those of you that don't know, employee of Record is, let's say you're a business in Brazil and you find a great developer in South Africa. They don't want to leave South Africa. You don't want to have to pay for their visa anyway. So EOR companies allow you to employ people anywhere in the world through their own entities set up in, in various countries. So you don't have to go through the hassle of setting up your own entity, paying all the legal fees, all the taxes, whatever. So that's sort of the core of the business. And I was hired just over two months ago um, to head up one of the product squads, um, Squad A, uh, if anybody's interested. Um, so I handle the sort of core EOR services, essentially all the user facing stuff. So what our clients and employees, what they actually see when they use our, our platform. Uh, that's what my team looks after. Fantastic. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's always an interesting one. And looking at your career so far, obviously, I know that you've, uh, you, you've started in product sort of in, in sort of 2020. So it's not really that long ago. Um, so no. you've, you've only really just started your career in product. And, and how's it been? Has it been a bit of a whirlwind of emotions? Or has it been a fairly sort of plain sailing journey so far? Oh, it's, it's been an absolute roller coaster. I mean, when I when I first started, I was still at university. So this was 2020. This was end of my second year. Maybe I don't remember exactly, but it was during COVID. Um, so there was all of that going on. There was there was lockdown in the middle of it. And so I joined a very, very early stage startup as in it was still in the bootstrapping phase. Um, at the time, it was called Face Munch, which is a horrible name. We changed it just for that reason fairly soon after. Um, but what the startup aimed to do, the, the, the marketing line was uh, democratize web access. So a lot of the incumbent website builders, your Shopify's, your WordPress's, Squarespace, whatever, they've got a steep learning curve. They're fairly expensive, um, not particularly mobile friendly. So what the founder of uh, Face Munch, which later just became Munch, we dropped the face sort of in true Mark Zuckerberg style. Um, uh, he wanted to build a sort of mobile first website builder um that you could edit create websites from your phone sell things through the website and our business model there was taking a, a cut of everything that was sold through the platform so i joined that in very 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 early stages i think we raised maybe one hundred and fifty thousand euros just before i joined um wow. so there was a very 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 small team and I, I kind of ended up in product by accident i was still at university okay. so i was working part-time and the the founder was just like i think you'd be good at the product side of things let's see how it goes and that's pretty wow, much how okay. it started. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I could say that I'd, I'd planned my entire career from birth up until <laughs> my first job yeah. to, to be a, a product manager, but that absolutely wasn't the case. To be honest, I always thought I'd be a lawyer because my mum told me that I argued so much I may as well get paid for it, but that didn't, that, <laughs> that, 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 that didn't work out in the end. Well, that's amazing. Okay, fair enough. So it was sort of by fluke that you uh, that you sort of fell into oh, yeah, completely. And, completely. Okay, cool. And, and 
how do you think that that sort of that lawyer's um, career path would have would have matched the product? I mean, what would you have? Do you reckon you'd have preferred? Are you happy where you are now? I mean, is there a career <laughs> destined in product? I, I I feel quite fortunate actually to have ended up working in tech because a big thing for me is work-life balance and i've got lots of friends like from university and from school who ended up going to law school and some of them actually did become lawyers and i'm sure they do enjoy it and i'm sure it is a fulfilling career but my god are they stressed and tired and i and i and I, I hang out with them sometimes and they're just exhausted and they're like yeah i was in the office till 3 a.m you know answering emails for a client in hong kong i'm just thinking my god i'm glad glad that's not me um and you know another thing about law is that the the promotion structure in terms of moving up that sort of legal greasy pole within a company is very very structured so it's not really based on what you achieve it's based on how much time you've spent in that firm so if you haven't spent sort of more than well haven't done less than eight or nine years at a firm you don't have a chance of making senior associate like junior partner or anything like that whereas what tech offers is not just that work-life balance but it's also offers you a career where you are judged solely on your out output, which I think is is very, very valuable and affirming in many ways. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. there's nothing worse than, you know, working super hard for years and years and years and not really getting the recognition you feel you deserve. Whereas in the tech world, it, it's, it's a bit different. Um, so yeah, I feel very, very grateful I'm in, I'm in product. That's great. I mean, product is, is something that's only fairly recent. You know, it's not an old um, sort of, you know, job as such. Product, uh, in, especially in tech, is is fairly, fairly new. Um, in the last sort of 20 years, you know, it's been taking, taking a real sort of growth. Um, is it something that, you know, you have heard of before becoming a, a you know, a junior sort of PM, PO? Um, no, something... absolutely not. <laughs> Did not not hear about it at all. You know, I, I suppose I, I subconsciously presumed that something like that did exist. You know, I knew quality assurance was the thing. I, I knew things go through iterations. I use plenty of SaaS apps from you know Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever, and there are updates there. So I assume you know they come they came from somewhere. But the actual ins and outs of products and, and what it means to to iterate and to gather that feedback and to to make those more sort of data driven decisions um that was all completely alien to me and that was something i was only first really introduced to by my former boss the founder um this guy called alex he's half russian half ukrainian so i imagine the dinner table is an interesting environment um and he is he grew up in london and one of the smartest men i've ever met i mean he's a self-taught full stack engineer taught himself how to write code for machine That's learning impressive. algorithms one of his previous yeah, yeah so he, he was a fantastic mentor um, so he taught me uh, sort of all the, the basics of product and what I really needed to know to get started. And then uh, he introduced me to another guy that he knows, a guy called Yichen, who has sort of become my mentor and also a great friend of mine as well. And he's fantastic. He's a bit older than me. He's a was a product manager for another startup, but he recently quit and it's just sort of chilling for a little bit um, and good for him. So, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've, I, all I've learned really about product has come from the, the great people that have helped me out. And once again, very, very grateful to them because I would be a bit lost without them, I think. Um, <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's good to hear in, in many ways, Jake. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's important. I, and I speak to a lot of software, you know, developers and engineers and, and people within all sorts of, you know, varieties of uh, roles within tech. And each, each have sort of come to that sort of same conclusion where, where having a mentor um, is really valuable. Um, and 
would you is that something that you'd sort of recommend if if someone was going into this sort of area of tech um find someone who's quite like-minded and uh, and and absorb the information and whatever you can yeah absolutely i, I recommend it for anyone not just in tech but in I, I mean i can't think of many industries where it, it wouldn't be a sort of a positive for you to have a mentor of some kind somebody with just a couple of years of experience you can bounce ideas off or you can go to for questions who won't judge you or threaten to sack you if you ask a stupid question you know yeah. mentors are not that's ever happened by the way my boss is very nice um <laughs> but um yeah mental mentors are fantastic and and the hardest part really is finding a good one it's like with anything there are good mentors and there are bad mentors um Absolutely. i've been very fortunate that i've i've only experienced fantastic mentors who are incredibly supportive and really really yeah. helpful um, but I think for anybody aspiring to do anything difficult, really, I, I think finding a good mentor should be one of the first steps that, that they take to on on that path. That's brilliant. No, absolutely, that's a great bit of advice. And sort of flipping that on it on its head, a favourite area of of tech. Um, I know that tech is is Ooh. humongous. And you've held, uh, you know, a variety of different roles from sort of product lead, um, which is which is total sort of contrast to, to, to a PO in many ways. Um, so talk to, yeah. me on, talk to me on the transition between sort of that lead role to more of a, you know, a hands-on position. Yeah, so, so I mean, it, I was a lead product leader at Munch by virtue of the fact that I was sort of employee number one or two, really, after the okay. co-founders. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was kind of there from the, the very beginning. So I was aware of what the product was at its initial inception and was very aware of where it wanted to go where the founders wanted it to go and i spent a couple of years at munch and we got on great as a team there's a lot of trust it was a very close-knit team a very small team as well and then after covid um the founders actually moved to london so we were all in the same place the coo was also in london um but then when i joined remo first it's not, not a much bigger company it's sort of five times the size it went from like 10 people to 50 or so people but it is still a step up and there are different processes in place, different sort of orga organizational structures. Um, mm -hmm. So one of the things that the COO did when he first came in is he restructured the product department. This was right before I joined, um, not the COO, sorry, the, the chief of staff. And um, sorry, the dog's growling at me. Good. Um, and part of that was to break down the product into separate squads. So I do squad A, which is sort of the, the core user-facing UR service, and there's a squad for finance operations is a product scored for infrastructure product scored for data and intelligence um so the, the term product owner and product manager i'll be honest with you in in my not many but a couple of years of being in the tech and product space i'm still not really sure what the difference is between a po and a pm like perhaps in in bigger more legacy companies you know your amexes your sales forces whatever these huge huge tech companies maybe there's a meaningful difference between a po and a pm but in the startup world, my experience is very much that the differentiation doesn't really matter. Um, okay. yeah. At least, at least, yeah, just just not not in my experience. So I, I'd actually say that the the peer role at Remo first is it, it's much more intense than working at Munch because we've gone from a small startup where we can kind of do things our own way, and we had the leeway to kind of and, and the wiggle room to to try different things and do things in certain ways and if something wasn't going well we could just go straight back to the drawing board and it was fine whereas and 
and also bear in mind it was a it was a sort of website builder SaaS. it wasn't you know we weren't dealing with people's finances we weren't yeah. dealing with comp companies yeah. finances whereas at remo first we do a lot of finance financial stuff so companies come to us we have to manage their payroll we've got to make sure their employee employees are paid on time all this kind of stuff and people really depend on all of this working very well um so that's probably why it's it's such a step up and, and and so much more intense and so much more structured is because you know there are legal implications if things don't go well in some cases um so yeah i hope that answers the question i'm not really sure what the original question was i feel yeah i feel the original question was <laughs> what's your favorite area of tech and i've actually got it a pretty is. interesting answer for that I'll ask it again. Go, go, well, go again. And this is this is a weird one. So my, my absolute favorite sort of sector of the tech industry is agritech or agricultural technology. Now I'm not a farmer, nor have I ever farmed anything. In fact, it's been a while <laughs> since I've been to the countryside. But I think some of these startups are absolutely fascinating. So I saw a brilliant one where I think this company in the US has built this tractor and at the front of it they've modified the front of it to include a laser scanner that detects oh. like different shapes of leaves and colors of leaves and whatever. So if you drive this tractor across the field, this system is able to, with 100% accuracy, pick out all of the weeds, all of the insects, all of the pests, and just zap them with lasers. So it's a completely effective way of, of pest control without needing any kind of pesticides or horrible chemicals yeah. that we end up eating. Um, so that's just one example. I think like the vertical farming tech industry is really fascinating. I don't know whether they can really make it work in terms of just unit economics, um, mm -hmm. but I I hope they get there eventually because I think it's a, a fantastic idea. Vertical farms, especially as the urban centres yeah. are growing around the world. Yeah, I just find I find like the the the, the link between the physical world and the tech world and sort of the the industries that encompass that to be particularly fascinating because everyone likes a SaaS, everyone likes your Instagram, whatever. But if you delete Instagram off your phone, it's not the end of the world. Whereas what some of these agritech companies are doing are greatly improving uh, efficiency, yield rates, safety, all of these things for a very very important industry. Um, Question. So yeah, that's my favorite area of tech. Yeah. Question, question. So that begs me to ask, tech for good, is that something that you've always sort of looked at, you know, the med tech sector, um, you know, technology that, that will really sort of positively impact the environment and things like that? Is that something that you've, that you've looked at? Yeah, actually, when I was applying for new jobs a couple of months ago, um, I applied to a bunch of sort of, you know, tech for good kind of companies. So yeah. one was... Um, trying to tackle the issue in the UK with with care homes. So something I learned through speaking to, to these people in a couple of interviews is that the care home system in the UK is kind of stuck in the 90s. Like some of them don't even have internet access. It's really, really bad. Um, and so there's this company, I think it's called Elder. Um, and what their mission is, is trying to properly connect caregivers to those who need care and and manage it that way. I don't remember the ins and outs of the product, but yeah, there yeah, are a couple of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Well, that's yeah, that's interesting. So it's something that something that eventually you'd look to go into. I mean, it's 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 a really interesting sort of area of tech, isn't it? I mean, it's it's growing and it's innovative and it's you know it's it's quite hot off the press if that makes sense. But no, I get you. I get you. There's a lot that needs to improve in in, in that sort of that sort of sector as well. Yeah. Awesome. So looking at um, a big question that that I ask loads of people within product is what is product? It's a such a complex complex thing um, and very individual. And I mean, what's what's your what's your definition of what is product? 
I mean, it's it it's it's so dependent on what you're doing, right? Like a, a product manager who works for. I actually interviewed a guy recently who was a, who was a product owner, and he worked on, I think, the Polestar, the cars, or oh, nice. the Volkswagen. So he did all of the 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 digital product stuff for the center console and the self driving system and the UX and the UI and all of that. That is a completely different proposition to being, you know, a, a product person at Meta, where your job is to sort of change a couple of buttons every now and then. Um, there are so many different worlds in in product. What product actually is, I suppose, is what you make of it, and that's that's what separates the good from the not so good when it comes to PMs. You've got to have a good eye for detail, and you've got to be very specific in your requirements when you're speaking to your developers. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as that attention to detail is there, products essentially about finding negative feedback really because you get all the positive feedback that you want you know what's good about your product because you built it like the whole company thinks it's great that's why they work there and you kind of view it with rose tinted glasses it's kind of like you know you're dating a toxic you're dating a toxic girl it's been a couple years and and after a couple years because she's been your girlfriend for a couple years you tend to overlook some of the more toxic traits and it's a similar thing with products such such an example yeah Yeah. right and so so it and so an important part is to actually really go and seek that negative feedback because realistically, you're not going to know what's wrong with the product. The, you, your employees or, or the people that you work with aren't going to know what's wrong with the product to the same depth as the people that use it like all day, every day. They're going to have all of their gripes and their pains and their, and their pain points and, and their problems and their bugs. So it's important to have a good uh, relationship and, and a good sort of line of communication with whoever your users are to make sure that you're constantly getting that feedback, constantly getting feature requests, tickets, bug requests, because otherwise the product just kind of stagnates, really. Um, I also think another important thing is, is, is to know in your mind that perfection is impossible and it's a waste of time trying to achieve it. Um, for the very simple reason is that you can never please everybody. Therefore, perfection is impossible. There's always going to be, you release an update that's loved by some users and hated by others. Well, what can you do? Um, it's about balancing sort of how many people want it versus how much will it cost to build? Do we actually need it? Will it achieve any of our OKRs? Um, there's, there's lots to think about, but attention to detail and a lack of obsession with perfection is actually probably two of the most important things for the product. That's, that's great, great advice. And, and, you know, working within teams that you have and, and that sort of startup environment, I don't even imagine perfection comes into mind with the, with no, the type ab- of ab- that you work No, ab- absolutely not. Like the word doesn't even come up, and that's not necessarily a conscious thing. We're not sitting there thinking, right? Nobody mentioned the p word. Um, but but there's there's just a, the the culture of startups. I think, and and I say this not really knowing because I've never worked for a, for a big legacy tech company. I feel the culture at startups is is, is a lot faster moving probably a, a, a bit higher pressure maybe the stakes are a bit lower because you don't necessarily have millions of customers relying on you to, to get things right but the stakes aren't low because you have a limited budget and a limited engineering team compared to you know so like in my team at remo first there's three developers designer qa engineer and a business analyst and then you go to let's just take salesforce for an example and a team of engineers could be 20 30 people so it's, it's a completely different proposition. 
really. And that kind of ties into what I said about products, what you make of it. It really depends on, on, on where you work as well. Like if you go and work in product management at your sales force or your, or your big legacy companies, you are going to have a completely different experience than if you went to go work at a startup. And I think that's why so many companies are a bit weird about hiring startup people or hiring legacy people if you know they're being hired for a startup or a legacy firm is because that experience is so different the toolkit you need is very very different and it's not to say that one is better than the other um it's just it's just different absolutely no that's 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 very 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 fair and and, and i've seen it time and time again when you know when we're speaking and and, and sort of networking it's something that, that definitely is is brought up um lastly i mean we'll, we'll, we'll finish off shortly but you know last last sort of point any tips for for anyone sort of getting into product um obviously you mentioned the use of mentors is quite helpful um which i can imagine you know as is in any role really um useful um but is there any sort of standout tips that if you'd have known sooner you'd have been in a different position or would have helped you know your, your applications to places i mean what's um yeah what were some tips that you that you'd, you'd uh, recommend it's an interesting question i mean as you said the, the mentor is is a big one because a, a lot comes from that in terms of the advice you get when you're applying to jobs oh put this on your cv don't put this on your cv write this mm -hmm. in your cover letter but it's it, it, it's it's tricky tips tips for aspiring product managers i suppose <laughs> One second, sorry. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Dog has just seen my flatmate. Um, <laughs> yeah, tips for... Sad, really, that I don't have more off the top of my head. I mean, yeah, the, the, the mentor's the big one. I suppose you've got to be interested in what you do. That's just a general life tip, really. If you're not interested in what you do, you're going to be miserable and you won't be as good mm -hmm. as you think you will be. That's not really product-specific. I think networking is also, in the tech industry, is fairly important because the economy is not looking too great right and and usually the first companies that tend to start downsizing are tech companies and we saw that happening last year amazon let ten thousand people go etc etc yeah. yeah. the, the easiest way to kind of bypass the the gladiator ring that is cold applying for jobs on linkedin or offer or whatever is just simply to know people and have met people and be like hey i just lost my job or whatever it is uh, would love to have a chat with you about any opportunities mm. that you have open at the company, mm. et cetera, et cetera. So, so networking's a, a real life skill. Um, again, it's not particularly product specific, but it, I do think it is really, really important to have those those good connections. A hundred percent. And, you know, that's something that we've seen, you know, there's a couple of groups um, online um, yeah. that sort of meet sort of, you know, once a month um, or whatever it may be. And it's just a big sort of networking um, event. So, yeah, I completely agree. That's a massive piece of advice that, that I sort of give out, you know, any any, any time we um, speak to people, network, network, network. It's um, mm -hmm. it really does pay dividends, doesn't it? Oh, for sure. And it, it was harder over the pandemic, obviously, and everyone kind of lost a couple of years, but yeah. there, 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 are, there are now so many, you know, expos, conventions, there's, you know, companies run their own talks that are attended by people who do the same thing as you. And it applies not just for people, but for developers, for operators, for anybody who wants to meet more people who do what they do and kind of take part in that pooling of ideas, really, for want of a better term. I think it's a great thing to do. It's just a matter of taking the initiative and, and going out and finding where you can actually meet these people because chances are you're not just going to meet them in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, that's very true. Very, very true. Well, look, Jake, I really, really appreciate your time. Um, thank you so much for coming on today.